0: Did you ever get tired? Did you ever get tired? Now I'm not talking about the kind of tired that you get up and you, or you go to bed and you, take, and you sleep and you get up and you're refreshed. Did you ever, have you ever just been tired? I'm asking. Maybe you're tired now. If I was to be perfectly honest, I'd tell you I was tired. Oh, I'm not talking about I need to go to bed. I, sometimes you've been in your battle weary. You're tired, yeah? I'm glad there's a river but I'm glad for the promises of God. I want to read about that just for a moment tonight. I don't intend to be long. You know what that means. It means you're never going home. I said I don't intend to be. I didn't say I wouldn't be. Galatians chapter 6. Let's just read it just a moment. I love this book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, let's just see what we can see for just a minute. It says, brethren, always like that word, brethren, if a man be overtaking and overtaken in a fault, it means a trespass. We don't have to go any further than that if we don't want to. Let's just talk about that a second. Brethren, who's he talking to? The church, us. If a man be overtaken in a fault, not talking about a personality quirk here. If a man be overtaken in a trespass, let me help you define that word. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those which trespass against us. Does that help you with the word, with what's being said here? It helps me. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault or a trespass, I take that to mean that he can be. Y'all the quietest bunch of people today. Y'all get on my nerves when you're quiet. <laughs> I wanna, I, I'm trying to get them down to verse nine. but If we never get past verse one, that's all right. If a brethren, if a man be overtaken in a trespass. There's something to be said right there because church folks don't always understand. If if Paul is writing to the the Galatian believers, he's already unloaded a a dump truck on them by now. He says if, if, if if a man be overtaken, he's not absolving someone of the responsibility of when they fail, but he is saying something here. That not everything that people do that's a trespass, that's a sin, is something they set out to do. I can tell right now that I'm too far away. If a man is overtaken in a fault, a trespass, You know, when you're tired and you're weary and you're overran, that's not that hard of a place to get to. A man be overtaken in a fault. Doesn't say if a man is a scoundrel and just doesn't care how he lives. Says if a man be overtaken and a fault. Ran over by. Overwhelmed by. Life brought him to a place of failure. His responsibility? Yes. An excuse, no. But a fact, yes. It happens. Let me talk to the church just a minute. Brethren, it happens. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. Happened to Paul often, especially early on. That's why when I, that, that sixth, seventh, and eighth chapter of Romans is so important because Paul himself explains the things I would do, those things I don't. The things I would not, those things are do, I do. He said the things I hate, I do it anyway. So what the book of Galatians is about is teaching the church that we walk by faith and not by sight. That the law won't save us. That that the law won't help us overcome the trespass. But that when we when we put our complete faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he's done, that that is the pathway to victory for fallen man. That you don't have the power within your human nature to overcome. Your will is no match for your sin nature somebody hear me your will is no match for your sin nature and when you got saved he didn't give you a super willpower in fact he gave you the opposite of a super willpower come on I don't know, maybe you don't know that. When you got saved, he didn't give you a super willpower that now you have the ability to overcome sin. In fact, it was quite the opposite. When you got saved, he made you to realize that I am nothing. In my weakness, that he is made strong. That I don't have any ability within myself to keep the law or to not sin. But it's in Him. So I Paul, it's one of my favorite. I, I have, a, I guess, a lot of favorites, particularly about Paul. But he said at Mars Hill, he said, "It's in, it's in him I live and I move, and I have my being, right. brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, and now this little address here is not to the man that's overtaken in a fault, but if the address is to the you who are spiritual." If a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Oh, about the time you think you're on top of all of it and you wonder, now we've all done it. How in the world did they ever do that? Where's my cell phone? Used to we had to go to find the cord on the wall, but now we say, can you, or maybe this is <laughs> Can you believe they've done that? Why I, oh, if I'm reading this correctly, and I think I am. Man, there comes something dangerous that comes with that. Can you say, I, I, can't, I, I would never. Boy, I can think about a few of those things. Here's one. <laughs> Famous last words. When I have... Well, I would never, you know, everything I've ever thought that I've ever said, I would never. About two seconds after I did. It's like the person that says, when I have kids, I'll, the my kids will never. Ooh, that's a different story for a different day, but ooh, we sure understand that. My kids will never. Hmm. If it, if it, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, let you who are a spiritual restore. The spirit of meekness. Been talking about a lot of spirits lately. I'll get back to Those. The, the 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 trips to Africa and and the season have have taken us off for a few weeks on the spirits of, but there are spirits that we're supposed to be free from. But here's a spirit that we're supposed to have in us: a spirit of meekness. There was Moses that the Bible says that, you know, he was God's man that was the greatest until, yeah. says he was the meekest man who ever lived. Yet he met Pharaoh face to face and led people out. See, meekness doesn't mean weakness. Then there came Jesus who came meek and lowly He says, let your spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. That's a different attitude than mostly we have most of the time when somebody has created a grave offense. Considering yourself lest you also be tempted. There's a warning in that. I'm, not, I, I'm trying to get to verse 9, but, I, but verse 1 is speaking right now. There is a warning to an attitude that refuses to restore in meekness. It says, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Tempted with what? The same thing. The same thing. The, you get our big old case of the I would nevers. And that's easy to come by. It spreads quicker than COVID. It, it, it spreads quickly among the religious crowd. It, spread, it spreads quickly in the church house. The, you know, the I would nevers. When you get a case of the I would nevers, you get a case of the same things. Maybe that's too simple, but I'm just a simple guy. I wanna be careful about when my brother, it's not talking about people that are just out living any old way, any which way they can and calling it grace. That's not what it's talking about. We're gonna to get to that in just a minute. Because Genesis, or, or Galatians chapter six, I, I just kind of discovered one day, was the balance of how you live versus grace. You know, because there, there's, a, there's a tension in the scripture that we know that we're saved by grace through faith and that we, there's no perfection on this side that we're striving for it. We're supposed to be striving for it. We're supposed to be pressing. That's what Paul said. He said, I haven't attained this, this, this perfect sanctification, this perfection in this flesh. He said, but I'm stretching for it. It's in front of me. I'm pressing toward it. And then there's the, 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 the grace that sustains us that when I fail, not if, when, that it bridges the gap between me and God. And there's the temptation as we know for people to say I'm saved and there's no evidence of their salvation and call it grace. No. See, there, there's a mitigating scripture in the book of Galatians that we're going to reach here in just a moment. That's really where I'm trying to get to. I'm talking about when you're tired, because I'm tired, and I'm weary, and, 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 and you're, you're really battle-worn, is what it amounts to. We're in a hard place in time. Like it or not, you're there. I'm there, you're there. I don't like the news, you don't like the news. I don't like the spiritual climate. You don't like the spiritual climate, but we're in it. And there's not a day off from the fight. And I'll tell you what discourages me. Anybody ever get discouraged? I'm not discouraged that a dark world is dark. That's that's not what discourages me. I'm not discouraged that the battle is ongoing because the book It's clear that it will be. That's not what discourages me. the 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 fact that it's hot and people join in and fight with you for a little while, and when things are a little better, that they they go right back to their complacency. That discourages me. It's exhausting. When you're the one out front, whenever you're the one that, that you're calling is to lead and to teach and to, and to motivate and to equip and you, and, you, and you get everybody rallied for the battle and they fight hard for a few weeks, see some great victories, the challenges come because of the victories and they will every single time and you slip back into that comfortable place If I can get to heaven, but I'm not going to engage. Yep. That's the hard place for me. It looks the same in your family, that prodigal, that you pray and you pray and you pray, and you see some progress. You see God moving. Because you've prayed and because you've engaged and the battle comes to you, the battle comes to them and it gets hard and and and, and maybe the opposition even begins to fight in your family. Come on, this is real. Because when you got people living outside of the will of God, when they're when they when they're in opposition, when they're in rebellion, and you, when they're living, when you are living for God, and they're living in rebellion, there's a clash internally, a spiritual clash in your family. That creates a spiritual clash in your family. Come on, somebody. It's not necessarily, I mean, you're, maybe it's mom and dad and a child. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe, maybe it's, it could be any combination. But they're, they're, but they're important to you and they're, and they're involved in your life. And you're bonded by, by, by family or a or loving relationship. Maybe it's a spouse. And the battle's hard. They're in rebellion and you're living for God. They're, that is an automatic war. Unavoidable. Unavoidable. Look at me and listen to me. If that's the situation, tension and strife and conflict is going to happen. It's unavoidable. Because the spirit in you wars with the spirit that's in them. It's a conflict of light and darkness, of right and wrong. It's not a battle that's optional because the only option to ease that war is for them to get saved or for you to backslide. Oh, I'm going to say it again. The only thing that will relieve that conflict it's for them to get saved, that's really the only answer. Or for you to backslide. Let me say it a different way. If you can't beat them, join them. And it'll be a false, a fake, and a, a deceptive piece. Because there is no peace outside of the Prince of Peace. And maybe this battle has gone on for years. You're going to understand it more internally as a family. Where I stand, it's the church. And you're part of that too, don't misunderstand. But what do you understand the most directly is when it's in your family. He's talking about and his opening about when, when brethren are overtaken and when there's fault and trespass and, to, and to, be who, to demonstrate who you are in Christ by being that to them. That you are a spiritual restore such a one in meekness. Bearing one another's burden. And so fulfill the law of Christ. There's a, well, I can't chase every rabbit, but I'm going to tell you that you never escape the law. When I talk about the law of Moses, it says the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then what? And second to that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's to let the love of God work through you and in you for them. And if a man thinks he be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We've kind of talked about, we've touched on it a little bit. When you got saved, you didn't become superhuman. You didn't become super will. You didn't become all spiritual. All. You become righteous because he's righteous. You're justified because he justified you. By faith. It's if a man thinks of himself to be something. I know too many Christians that they get to thinking that there are all of that and a bag of chips. No. If a man thinks he himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives who? Himself. You can deceive yourself, you can be self-deceived. I know I've said it a lot at home because because Heather will probably finish my sentence when I say there's no deception. There's no deception like self-deception. There's no deception like self-deception. That's when you're as wrong as wrong can be, but you and your mind are as right as rain, and there ain't nobody telling you any different. Period. Don't matter what the evidence is. It don't matter if you... If you, it doesn't matter if you recorded it and played it back. In fact, that might make it worse. If a man think of himself to be something, Man, that just takes me back to the hills because when I was growing I just hear, I just hear grandmas and aunts and uncles and things like that. I, y'all, y'all, your mind may not work that way. But I, I raised, I hear saying, boy, they think they're something, don't they? That's country folks right there. Anybody else? Man, they just, boy, they think they're something. All right, it got personal sometimes. Boy, you think you're something, don't you? They might have been on to something. Yeah. I've met people when he's nothing. I've met people that man they thought they were something, and I, in my mind, maybe I said it out loud because sometimes my 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 thoughts bypass the brakes. <laughs> Comes right out. I thought, what well, do they think these are good for? They're nothing. There's sometimes when people are all up on their high horse and I understand how they got there. I saw the ladder they climbed up. But sometimes I can't figure out what in the world makes them think they're anything. Just me? No. A man thinks he's something when he's nothing. Listen, I'm nothing without him. Neither are you. I'm just nothing without him. Neither are you. He's everything. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. He's everything. I didn't get free from the bondage of sin because I'm something. I got free from it because I'm nothing and He's everything. I didn't change, neither did you, because I'm something. I'm nothing. He's everything. If a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. He's gone from dealing with people to dealing with you, dealing with me. Did you notice that, man? That was a quick event. Brother, if a man be overtaken in fault, lest you, or spiritual, restore such a one with meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. If a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Man, that was a quick turnaround. He went straight from them, straight to you. Straight to me. He didn't even deal with. Do you. you notice he didn't even deal? Well, you don't know what they've done. If you knew what they done, you don't know. He, didn't, he didn't even deal with that. He just went straight from them, straight to you. Well, every man prove his own works. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. See, I told you he wasn't letting me off the hook earlier. You got to deal with you. I'm getting there. Let him that is taught in the word communicate to him that teaches in all good things. Do not be deceived. This is where I want to get. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I told you a while ago, it says that that if you love these, or that, that if you restore in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, and you do for them right, it says you fulfilled the law of Christ. And I told you, that we live under law. I'm not talking about the law of Moses. I want to tell you, you're never going to escape spiritual law. You're never going to escape spiritual law because God does everything legally. Law and order belongs to God. He's not talking about the thou shalt nots and the thou shalt. He's talking about the, that, there, that there's things that God has set in order that are spiritual law. They're unchangeable. They're, they're, they are absolute. They're never going to change. And the law is that when you do right by someone else, you fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love God and to love, your, and to love your fellow man. And now he's dealing with another spiritual law, ironclad. He didn't invent it in Galatians chapter 6. It was invented from the foundations of the world. Spiritual law always has been and always will be. And here's a spiritual law. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Here's the law. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That is law. He, the spiritual law was written in a way that it, that it reflects natural law that you can understand. Jesus talked about the same thing. He says, can you, can you gather figs of thistles? Or grapes of thorns? No. You understand that, right? You understand this is this is reflecting seed time and harvest. This is reflecting natural that when a farmer plants a seed, he has an expectation of a crop. Bible says that he didn't worry about it. Did not, that, that's one thing the Bible said. The farmer doesn't worry about the crop. He, when he plants the seed, he has the expectation of a harvest. And what he expects, I have never once planted. Squash and expected okra. Talking in southern planting here. Of course, I've also never planted squash that I didn't plant okra, (laughs) but that would be against the southern rules. I don't like either one. (laughs) But I know if I plant one, that's what I'm going to get. Never did like it. I want y'all to know something. I had this grandpa of mine. He was something else. He was about that big. He carried me around on his back until my toes shrugged the ground. I thought he was it, and he thought I was too. And I didn't never like that stuff, except the strawberries, apples, the plums. Never did like that stuff. And he figured that out, so he started planting stuff I liked. One time, one summer, I wasn't always bright. I'm still not sure I am. But I'm just going to reveal something. One summer, my papa took me down to the garden, and we had leftover biscuit and gravy, so that's what we planted. We planted biscuit and gravy in his garden, about a half a row of it. And we checked it. Boy, he could keep a scheme going a good while. Let's go check the garden. Trying to teach me how to plant and how to do it right. And he get down there he said, your, your biscuit and gravy's not doing too good. <laughs> we'll check it again tomorrow. The corn was coming up and the squash was coming up. The okra was coming up. The peas were coming up. The green beans were coming up. It was all coming up. But my biscuits and gravy was not coming up. <laughs> so one day we went down there and he he poked his hoe around down and dug around here and he said i think i know what happened i said what happened he said i think he planted it upside down I think that's the only time I've never that I've ever seen that what I reaped that that I sowed that I didn't reap. It happened, all of it. And it was, I mean, I figured out at least five years ago that he tricked me. Yeah. Don't be, do not be deceived. You know what it just occurs to me? At fifty one. So some forty eight years, seven years later, my papa tricked me. He deceived me. I just realized that when I said do not be, be not deceived, I thought that man that man deceived me. Huh. God is not mocked, but J.R. was. (laughs) Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You reap what you sow. Now listen, that's not karma. That's not karma. That's not karma. Christians need to quit talking about karma. Karma is a Hindu thought. A thought of retribution. Man-made justice. Get before you get got. And because you got, you're going to get. No, this is just talking about whatever you put in the ground, you're going to get it back. And we know the laws of sowing and reaping, if you plant, you don't, you don't just get back, you don't get it back one for one, you get it back in spades. Hello, somebody? Yeah. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows of the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows of the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Oh, he's saying a mouthful here. Because really what he's addressing, I want to address something that I'm going to, the, to, the, to that number nine. There's something that he is addressing here that is the balance of grace and the new covenant. No, you're not saved by works. You're not saved by what you did or didn't do. You're not saved by when you failed and then you're not lost by when you failed. You're saved when you believe on him by faith. And he changes who you are you're not good enough you're not bad enough you're not good enough to get God you're not bad enough to lose it church needs to hear this but I'm still going somewhere Now, this is what would lead people to say, well, you know, I prayed that prayer when I was 12 and bless God, I've lived like hell for 62 years, but I'm on my way to heaven. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows that. Shall he also reap? There is a promise that if he sows of the flesh, of the flesh, you will reap corruption. That is the harvest. But if he sows to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Read what the scripture says. How do you reap life everlasting? You sow to the Spirit. It is the mitigating verse of the new covenant that bridges the line between grace and perfection, works, living for God, getting it right, failing sometimes, but still living for him versus claiming to live to be his and never having any fruit. I don't know if you understood that, but I hope you did. Because, see, a sowing produces fruit. A sowing produces fruit. I knew I lied to y'all when I said I wasn't going to talk long. John chapter 15, let's look at it. I think it's 15. And going to remove this other sermon here. I am the vine, the true vine. My father, the husbandman. Jesus speaking, every branch in me. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. I told you about spiritual law in Galatians. that God is not mocked that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows of the flesh, he will reap of the flesh corruption. If he sows of the Spirit, he will reap of the Spirit everlasting life. Verse 3. Now you are clean clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Just keep going. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No no more can you except you abide in me. Read it again. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can you Except you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that stays in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, somebody help me. Why would Jesus tell you if a if a man does not abide that if, a man, if a man abides not in me. Why would he say that if it wasn't possible for a man not to abide? Yes, I harp on it a lot, but I will never quit because it's the word of God. And it is written clearly page after page after page after page from Genesis to Revelation that you have a responsibility and a choice to abide in him. And it is up to you. You can only do it by grace through faith. You have no power to do it of yourself, but you have the power to not do it. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and the men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. If if I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can bear no fruit of yourself. No spiritual fruit, no lasting fruit, no eternal fruit. It's not possible. God, be not deceived. God is not mocked. The whatsoever a man sows, that, somebody say that. Somebody say it louder. That shall he also sow. Reap. You're not going to sow carnality and death and damnation and, and, and flesh and corruption because it says if you sow the flesh, you shall let the flesh reap corruption. You can, it is not possible to sow corruption and reap life. Listen to me. It is not possible to sow corruption and reap life. Read the opening statement. Do not be deceived. The reason that he said, Do not be deceived, because in his foreknowledge (laughs) and his and his his, and his well, he's God. In his foreknowledge, he knew. That men and that people would make a mockery of his grace and of his mercy and of his gospel, and claim that they can live any old way they wanted to, and call it eternal life. He said, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that somebody say it again, that shall he also." reap. Same thing Jesus said. When you can't gather, you can't gather figs of thistles and grapes of thorns. Every, uh-huh. he said, listen, every good tree. First of all, let's start with that first word. Every. Well, y'all got quiet on me again. Every, somebody say every. I do that for a reason. Say it again. Every, every good tree produces good fruit. Every single one of them. Every good tree produces good fruit. if it doesn't produce good fruit it's not a good tree i'm telling you this book is simple it is clear you don't have to explain into it or explain it away when you get saved you become something different if you didn't you didn't It's high time. Oh, this is the stuff I've told you. I get tired. Paul talked about it. In the next verse, you get tired. I'm going to tell you something. I get tired of, of, of pounding the drum. I do. It's not easy to hold the line, much less charge the gates. Not easy. Mom and dad, that, that, the rebellious child. There comes a point in all of that that it just sometimes gets easier just to exhale and say, just whatever. You've been there. I've been there. Yep. You're exhausted with it. You've grown weary in it. You're tired of fighting over it. I want to tell you, there's some battles worth fighting. There's some hills worth dying on. There are some battles that no matter how tired you get, you can never wave the white flag. You can never lay down. You can never quit preaching. You can never quit standing. You can never, you you can't do it. You can't. He's telling you God's not mocked. If you're going to produce fruit, if you if you if you, if you sow flesh, you're going to reap of uh, the flesh, reap corruption. If you sow the spirit you're, uh, the of uh, the spirit, you will reap eternal life. Give me the next verse, verse nine. And let us. Who's the us? It's the brethren that he addressed in verse one. Let us not be weary in well-doing. He's still talking about sowing and reaping. Do you know that? Read, the, read what's coming next. You'll see that he's still, he hasn't changed course. He's still in the same vein. He says, for in due season. How many of you know when you plant, you don't get the harvest the next day? Or the next day? That there's spiritual law that God said would be in place as long as time remains. And what is that? Seed. Time. Ty- Look at me. Seed. Time. Time. and harvest, he's talking about sowing and reaping. See, from the time you sow, you're gonna have to keep it weeded, keep it watered, keep it maintained. It's a constant, have you ever raised a garden, you put the seed in the ground, walked away from it, and you come back three months later, and man, you had a bountiful crop. You worked for those free tomatoes. You worked for it. Cause you had to keep it healthy. You had to keep it watered. You had to keep other, you had to keep the bugs from eating it down. You had to keep the rot from coming. You had to keep the, you had to keep the weeds from choking it out. You worked the whole season for that harvest go back over here you worked the entire season for that harvest sometimes it was hot and dry and you're weary sometimes there was you were not seeing any hope of the results that were to come But you kept watering, you kept hoeing, you kept taking care, you kept praying, you kept praying, you kept preaching, you kept teaching, you kept talking, you kept inserting, you, Uh I don't wanna hear it, I don't care, I didn't want (laughs) I didn't wanna give you $100 last week either, but I did. That helps somebody. Y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that prodigal that's made a demand on you. And they don't, I don't want to hear that, Dad. Well, I didn't want to hear you call asking for more money either, but you did. And I did. So guess what? I'm going to keep preaching. You disappear for three months. When you get back three months in one day, guess what Dad's going to be doing? Preaching. Preaching. Dad's tired, preacher's tired, mom's tired, we're tired. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall. Let me talk about that, I have told you before, we shall. Shall means in the highest point of affirmation, no wiggle room. Shall. In due season, we shall reap. He followed the highest words of affirmation, shall, with the biggest word in the sentence, if. Only God can go from a shall to an if and it still be right. For we shall, we. In, for in due season, we shall reap. If we, who's the we? Still that brethren from verse one. If we faint not. I need you to see something. Then we're going to pray. Who's the responsibility on? Is it on the sower or the fruit? No, it's on us. I'm the sower. The only way I'm losing that crop is if I quit. Read it again. Let us, brethren, not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we, brethren, shall reap. If we, brethren, faint not. That's King James. If we, church, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, pastor, teacher, friend, loved one, if we don't quit. I get tired. I'm gonna tell you when I started teaching on the spirits of and what they do, how they manifest, I'm gonna tell you all hell broke loose in my home and this church and the staff and the staff staff and the staff's family and the staff's dog. I think even June got out of control. That's Katrina's dog. And June's the best. We started preaching on the spiritual. On the spirits that we deal with, June don't even mind anymore. I ain't kidding much. It would be easy to quit. To slide back into that easy position that just comes Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I'll see you Sunday. It would be easy. It would be easy. It's easy for you to slip back into it. But you know what's going to happen if we do? We'll lose the harvest. We've sown. Now we're in due season. Now we're in the time it would be easy to back off. It would be easy to quit marching forward. It would be, be easy to quit charging the gates. It would be easy to be quiet. But we can't reap that way. Just for a new season, you shall reap if we don't quit. I refuse to quit. I refuse to quit. I have every intention of cashing in on that promise that I'm going to reap because I didn't quit. My tired has nothing to do with it. We press on. We press on. Church, we press on. The condition of this world has nothing to do with my harvest. What happens in Washington has nothing to do with my harvest. What Vladimir Putin does has nothing to do with with my harvest. All those things may make me tired and weary and well doing, but none of them can make me quit. No quit. No quit in me. What about you?